You're listening to WMNF Tampa, music and news. Here comes the sun, here comes the sun, I say it's all right. Good morning and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Annie. Did you have a good week? Oh, my gosh. I had the best time weekend. Uh, we went, a friend of mine had her birthday. Jenny Thomas, heads up for Jenny's birthday month. <laughs> and uh, we, I wanted to do something with her. I thought, oh, this would be fun. So we went to uh, Josh Jameson's farm. It's oh, called yeah. Cody Cove uh, Farm. And he is the best. I mean, uh, he, so he's doing tours uh, of his farm now. You can go online and, do, and get on for a tour. And I totally recommend it. Uh, it's quite a bit away from Tampa. It's about an hour and a half, but, it, you know, road trip. It was fun. And uh, he is a grower of uh, things. He reaches out to different countries to look and see what grows well there. Uh, the best type of yucca, the best type of... Uh, chayote. Chayote, peas, okra, beans, uh, bananas. I mean, he's really... He goes through and does trials, basically, uh, and sees what works and what doesn't work. He gets rid of it, and he just keeps working on the thing that works and just keeps making better seeds and better seeds and better seeds. He's only been at that farm for a year and a half. It's and, unbelievable what he's done. And to tie in with the last show, um, like as in the doctor show, yeah. he do, uh, Josh Jamison does like permaculture. Yeah, everything is all natural. He, really, his primary fertilizer is uh, mushroom um, uh, compost. He gets uh, mushroom compost from um, uh, people that grow mushrooms in Orlando, and he just gets a whole big truckload, and that's what he uses primarily. But it's it's amazing what he's coming up with. He found uh, he's gotten a bean that uh, grows without tendrils, so it doesn't climb. So he can plant it as a ground cover underneath all of his trees, so it's uh, it gets the uh, the nitrogen and it's sequestering carbon, and you're getting beans. Uh, but it's not you don't have to go in there and work you know, to keep it out of the things that are taller. It's amazing. I was very impressed with that. And um, and then it was funny. He came the next day. He was at our Rare Fruit Council. He was the person that was the speaker. It was so <laughs> The funny. next day? Yeah, the next day. So he did a slideshow. It was excellent. And uh, he had a lot of uh, things, uh, samples and, and uh, things that he grows that, you know, that's how he makes a living. So uh, it was great. And a lot of people then were able to, learn from him. And he talked about uh, grafting. Um, he has a tomato tree. It's not like a tomato. I wish I could think of the Latin. I can't. Do you know the Latin, Kenny? I yeah. can look it up, okay. but, but I do know what you're talking and about. It's, yeah. And it has these oval, looks like oval um, fruits. fruits. Yeah. And But anyway, he's grafting uh, tomatoes uh, onto that. He's doing a lot of grafting. So he's uh, doing fig grafting. He's done a lot of fig grafting too, which is very interesting because, you know, the nematodes eat up our fig yeah. uh, roots here. So he's uh, he's <laughs> made a lot of failures, but he's getting some wins on that. And But you can think about it, y'all. It's ficus trees. So there's a bazillion different types of ficus. That's what a fig is. So he's been working on that, and it seems to be doing pretty well. I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, Josh. He's super smart and doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Very a part of the, the world. Yes. Is know? the common name Tamarillo? 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I see the picture of it. Yeah. I have photographs. You know what? I'll put it online uh, and show about him because he's so great. I'd like to promote him. And Annie is now back on Facebook. Ah! I'm back on. I wiggle my way back in. That artificial intelligence, they're not so smart. (laughs) (laughs) So she's back on uh, the Sustainable Living Show, WMNF, on Facebook. So she is. And regular Facebook, Annie Ellis, saying it, I know E. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Very good. So, uh, of course, working the boards and keeping us in check is Mr. Bill Grace. Yes. And we're happy to have Clark back answering the call. Clark is here in the house. Anticipating lots of. audience participation because today we are talking with Associate Dean for Research at the Patel College of Global Sustainability at USF, uh, Dr. George Philippidis. We are talking about bioresources for a sustainable future. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Yeah, I read about this, and it is fascinating. You guys are just going to love it. I want to talk about him just a little bit, and I'm going to hope I don't ruin his last name. We're going to say Philippidus. Philippidus. That's a great sounding look like on this, so I'm hoping. Uh, George Philippidus. Yeah. Okay, is a Fulbright scholar, which is impressive in its own, right? With a PhD in chemical engineering. Which is more impressive. (laughs) Which in chemical engineering, that is, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive too. This guy's smart, let's just face it. Uh, He has leadership experience in both the public and private sectors. His applied research focuses on the development and commercialization of biofuels. Now, that's very important. Biomaterials and renewable energy from sustainable natural resources. He has founded technology companies, authored several publications, 11 patents, wow, and developed uh, graduate courses in renewable energy and sustainability. We are so happy to have you on the program, George. Welcome. George, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Great, great. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, I'm fascinated by some of the things. We have a little list of questions that we have, so we'll start in with that. But I'm sure sure we're going to branch off on it because I have some that are not written down Mm -hmm. (laughs) as usual. Uh, So let's see. What is biofuel? What is biomaterial? And what exactly are bio uh, sources? Oh, bio resources. Excuse me. Yes. So anything that starts with uh, with the uh, prefix bio means that it's coming from nature, okay? So biofuels are fuels that we can produce from natural resources as opposed to extracting them from uh, the ground. And uh, biomaterials are materials that we can produce, again, from the same resources. And the same, of course, for, uh, uh, for uh, energy, renewable energy. So when I say bioresources... Just to give you an idea, we're talking about a variety of natural resources such as crops, water, forestry, our oceans, as well as some new uh, things that uh, the, um, the audience may not be as familiar with. And those are biomass and algae. And we can talk about biomass and algae maybe a little later. I'm fascinated with the algae, so I definitely yeah. want to talk about that. That's very interesting. Um, so... Well, we have the examples of each. I don't know. Why don't we just get into the algae? Let's just go there because I just am fascinated by that. Uh, let's talk about that uh, on how you are the examples of those and, and mm-hmm. what how you're making those and that sort of thing. 
So algae grow in nature. And uh, if, if you have a pool, you know that very well because you are trying to keep the algae under control. Mm -hmm. Well, in our case, uh, we don't want to keep them under control. We want to utilize their uh, natural potential to produce a variety of very useful products for us. So what we do is we uh, pick algae that uh, can uh, make a lot of uh, fat that we can turn into biofuels like uh, diesel and, uh, and other products. Wait aviation a minute, I want to stop you real quick. Yeah. So yeah. you just said uh, you take the algae and you make it, uh, uh, you, you process it into a fat. Is that what you we said? We grow. No, we grow the algae. We give them some uh, nutrients. Okay. And they grow. And just like us human beings, the algae, the, the cell itself contains some fat, oh. some sugars, carbohydrates, and some protein. That fat that the algae produce, we can extract it, take it out of the algae cells, oh. and we have technologies to convert it into aviation fuel, green aviation fuel. That is and a also miracle. That is yeah, a miracle. Is. I mean, mm -hmm. When I read that about the algae, I was uh, sold completely. It was like, well, why aren't we doing this? And why can't we just switch over? Mm -hmm. I mean, that just seems like the most logical thing. Uh, I, just because you're talking about algae, uh, this is probably completely off base, but I wanted to ask you anyway. You know, they, we have that algae bloom. Is that mm -hmm. something that can be harvested like when we have a terrible incident like that can that be harvested and then used uh in the process mm. that you're talking about is that uh, doable or not that's a very good question you are referring to the red tide yes you're referring okay so what causes the red tide most of the times is a, a species of algae that is toxic yes so what it does it produces toxins that are being released into the atmosphere and they cause uh, respiratory issues to uh, to human beings the toxins also uh, are harmful to animals and uh, when the this bad algae let's call it bad algae grows because it's fed by a lot of nutrients that come from ag agriculture and the septic tanks mm -hmm. and the golf courses unfortunately all these excess nutrients, nitrogen and phosphorus, they end up where? They end up in the ocean. Yes. And what they do is they are great food for this toxic algae that then causes so many issues. It sucks the air out of the, uh, the water and uh -huh. kills fish. So it's, it's not good for animals, for humans, for, uh, for the ocean life. Unfortunately, because of the toxin, Collecting that uh, algae and trying to make use of it is is problematic. Okay. okay. So the answer is not yet. Mm. We are looking into that. And incidentally, um, I'm doing some work with the Moat Marine Lab exactly on those bad algae separately from what we are discussing today. Oh, that's so wonderful. So you're looking at it. So yes, yes so not yet, like you say, that's a very positive outlook because mm -hmm. that's the way your brain works on, okay, this works. Well, that'll probably work too. We just have to figure out a few more puzzle pieces to hook it all together. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's so, that is so wonderful. So yeah. then talk to us then about how you're doing it with the algae. You're, you're creating the algae yourself in the lab. Is that how you're doing that? No, we just go out in nature and we, uh, there are millions of species of algae that have already been identified. They have names, first names and last names, <laughs> so to speak. And um, what we do is we, we test them. So for instance, if I am interested in making 
uh, aviation fuel, I am looking for algae that is producing a lot of fat, mm-hmm. okay? So then I go to all these algae that we know about, I pick the ones that are known to make more fat than protein or anything else, and I focus on those algae. And then we bring them to the lab, we grow them in the lab, and once we understand how to make them grow best, then we take them outdoors. So in addition to the lab we have at USF, we also have an outdoor facility in USF's botanical gardens where we do larger scale cultivation of algae. And there we invite people to come see it, take a look, we explain the technology, we invite investors, because eventually all this needs to be given to the private sector licensed so they can build it and produce in large scale and we can produce those aviation fuels and other products at the scale required to displace the harmful uh, fossil fuels. God bless you. I mean, really, you have the answer. Uh, so, George, where are you finding the algae? In Florida, in oceans, and forests, and uh, parking lots? Like, where do you... <laughs> they have a little source that they can't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, Kenny, that's a good question. I haven't checked my driveway yet. But <laughs> I have a little bit in a pond in the back. No. <laughs> yes, if you have a pond, uh, most likely, I mean, uh, I'm sure there are algae in there, uh, in the ocean, in the rivers, in lakes, uh, they reside pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the algae, and there are some places in the country and around the world where they have created banks, banks of algae. Oh. They have, yeah, they keep them there. So these days, if you are a scientist or an engineer and you want to grow algae, you don't even have to go anymore out in the in mm-hmm. nature and do all the hard work. You can contact one of those banks and for a uh, for just a small amount of money, they will be glad to send it to you oh. so that, yeah, you can you can skip that step and, and jump right into the technology. So it's like a seed-saving bank. Yeah. They have an exactly. algae-saving bank. And you exactly. request the ones that are prone to obesity. Yeah, <laughs> the fat Exactly, the couch, po- the, the couch. The fat ones. <laughs> well, to be... To be politically correct, we call we call them couch potatoes. <laughs> really, that's funny. <laughs> and when um, you when you get yeah. them from the bank, is it like a tiny little vial or a petri dish, and then you exactly it's a and small vial. And then you vial. grow it. You grow it yes. from that. Yes, oh, we wow. grow them for that in flasks, and then from flasks we go to what we call bioreactors, bigger vessels, and from the bigger vessels we go outdoors in in race ponds. That is so, incredible. Yeah, I am like. This is the answer, isn't it? Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. What are the challenges regarding bioresources and why isn't everyone doing well. what Annie wants them to do? <laughs> yes. On <laughs> <and>, levels. <laughs> yes. And I mean, we all know that uh, we use crops, we use water, we use forest uh, product, products, we use the oceans to fish. Um, and we've done that for many, many years. In the last 100, 150 years, of course, we have the use of fossils, heavy use of fossils. And because we burn their carbon so fast, we have carbon accumulating in the atmosphere and it's creating uh, climate change. And we'll come back to that a little later. So what are the concerns with all these natural resources? Why are we concerned about them since Mother Nature provides those to us? Well, we are concerned because what has happened is we have explosive population growth. Yes. So we got to support more and more people every day. We have heavy industrialization with emissions and CO2 releases. We have uh, urbanization 
half of the people on the earth now live in cities. They live in, there are so many mega cities with a lot of poverty, with a lot of congestion, pollution, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, sanitation issues, uh, and so on. The other thing we have is globalization. So these days, everything spreads around the world very quickly. We have increased uh, our market size, but that also creates issues with transporting goods and again, polluting the environment. Yeah. And last but not least, we are experiencing climate change. And yes. climate change really is exacerbating a lot of those things that I just mentioned there. It's, climate change is not causing the things I just mentioned. It just makes all those things even worse. Mm -hmm. So these are the challenges we are facing. And that's why we have to look at our resources and we have to think very carefully of how do we continue to use them, but in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify for everybody, when we talk about sustainability, sustainable development, what we mean is a development that meets our needs today without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Yes. And, and the previous show was a great segue into yes, what we're discussing because they were talking about getting rid of pesticides and harmful chemicals that stay in the top soil. This is the exact same soil we're going to grow our crops that we're going to play, our kids will play, That's right. that our water is going to run through yeah. and they will end up in our body and they're causing havoc to our, uh, to our systems. Not only will it end up in our body, it is in our body. We've exactly. gone that far and, the, you know, it needs to stop. And so, you know, by what you're doing, it is incredible that, you know, I, I, thank goodness somebody's thinking in a way that we can use these machines uh, that we want to use these machines, you know, planes, cars, and trucks, and, and uh, you know, however, corp any kind of uh, uh, big buildings that require a lot of energy that they're using oil and gas, then if we're using the things that are here, we just didn't know it, that that would do it. And we just got so used to and being lazy uh, uh, in not trying to find alternative sources. And now we're, yeah. our, our head, you know, it, we're against the, the line here now is that it has to be. Um, and we know, and you know, we're talking about um, the environment and sustainability. We shouldn't forget how intimately connected energy and everything else I mentioned to our national security. So... Mm -hmm. We are, we need to start producing uh, fuels and energy in our own country instead of importing them from other countries. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. then we are held hostage to whatever their political interests are. So national security is very important, is very intimately um, um, connected to the use of our own resources here in, in, in the country. And that applies to every country. Yeah. This is not national security only for us here in the U.S., it's national security for every country around the world. Well, and also one of the things uh, about, you know, transporting oil and uh, gas and that is that it pollutes wherever it cracks into. And it always cracks. When I was a kid, uh, I, my granddaddy and um, they lived up in Citronelle, Alabama, and it's like the oil capital. Everybody had an oil well in their field, everybody. Mm -hmm. And we had one. And uh, eventually what happened is it polluted the creek down below and it was hideous. It totally ruined it. So I have personal experience just in a small scale, but seeing how I know that every Every pipeline will leak. And so mm -hmm. if we don't 
uh, if it doesn't leak, uh, you know, if we don't have the pipe there, then we don't have that problem. So, and beyond that, those uh, fossil fuels are not going to be there forever. I mean, we need to think alternatively and, you know, not just uh, also just, oh, well, let's open up our drilling out in our ocean. Oh, let's pollute that area too. That's probably not a good idea. Exactly. Kenny, did you say we had something going on? Or? Um, do you want to reintroduce them? Oh, I can. And, and then I'll follow Go into up. your question. Yeah, because we want the audience to participate. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is just so interesting. I didn't even know it existed until, thank goodness, Kenny got this, caught you on the, on the air. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, I'm Annie Ellis, and you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is George Phila. How do you say Rip- that? Philippides. Oh, you did say it right, Kenny. Philippides. Uh, <laughs> we are talking about biosources for the sustainable future. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on the air. We'd love to hear from uh, people and what they think about this. Yeah. So, George, right now we were talking about LG, but can you tell us how much LG is being used on a big uh, span versus corn and other crops? Yeah, to a very, very small extent. Um, Annie earlier asked the question about why aren't we using them since they are so promising and beneficial. The answer is uh, the economics. So we do have the technology, but uh, we are still working on reducing the cost. Mm -hmm. And um, we cannot expect the consumer to pay a high premium uh, for green energy, for uh, green materials. So our efforts uh, here at USF and uh, at many other places in the country and around the world is not to invent new technologies. We have done that, but to make those technologies cost-effective. Mm-hmm. So we need more time. Um, the uh, crops like corn and sugarcane in other countries Uh, We cannot compare them yet to algae because they have been uh, developed uh, over uh, hundreds of years. Uh, They are doing their job. It's a good transition to green energy and green materials, both corn and sugarcane. However, they are not long-term sustainable because we are taking food away from the table, trying to convert it into materials and energy. That's not what we should be doing. Instead, we should be using, so to speak, residues and materials we don't have any need for. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I would like to mention biomass. Biomass is anything green that cannot be consumed by us. So the straw from wheat, not the wheat itself, but the straw, the bagasse from the sugar cane, the stover from corn, you get the idea, the fiber, the non-edible materials that we leave in the fields or we don't know what to do with, and we call them waste. They are not wastes. Mm-hmm. This is great raw material. We are converting it into fuels and 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 materials for everyday uh, living. And uh, this is another big part of, of our work at USF, the conversion, the use of biomass, of green materials, residues, uh, into fuels and, and products, just like we're doing with algae. I just read a thing about, uh, it was a dog park, and they put the dog poo in the converter, and it uh, lit the lights for the park. I mean, Yes, that's, that's anaerobic digestion of waste, yes. of, of, of manure, 
Yes, and we are doing that as well. Instead of throwing it away and polluting the environment, uh, we can extract uh, methane energy out of it. Mm -hmm. And the rest, it doesn't smell. What yeah. is left behind doesn't smell and it's full of nutrients and we can use them as a fertilizer. That's Natural what fertilizer. Uh, that was exactly what uh, one of the people that had it at their uh, cattle farm. Uh, I think it was a dairy farm, actually. And they, mm -hmm. they were using it as bedding for their mm -hmm. cows. So they were yes. actually reusing it in that way, which is just exactly the perfect circle. I mean, these are the ways to do it, for sure. Yes, uh, we need to reuse, to recycle uh, to put to new use uh, what we call waste. Uh, our goal basically is to convert the economy into a bioeconomy, an economy that, you know, is, is sustainable, non-polluting, and can provide us with pretty much everything we need from nature. But we need to take care of nature. And as I said earlier, we are in a transition right now. Every day you hear of new uh, natural uh, materials that are coming into use and uh, hopefully we're going to be able to replace also our plastics with uh, with materials that do not harm the environment. Oh my God, is this excited. is so wonderful. <laughs> I'm holding my heart. <laughs> so, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> George, how popular are the biofuels that are made from these discarded materials compared to biofuels that are grown solely for biofuels? Yes, uh, right now here in the U.S., uh, the only biofuel you're going to find, there are two biofuels. Uh, if you go to your gas station and you look at the sticker on the pump, it tells you that uh, the, the, uh, the fuel you're using it contains 10% uh, ethanol. Ethanol is a biofuel. It's coming from corn or it can come from sugarcane. And again, it's a bridge to getting where we need to be. And where we need to go to get to is biofuels from uh, waste materials. We are not there yet. We're producing um, about a billion gallons per year. It may sound a lot, but it's not. A billion gallons per year of fuel, it's nothing if you take into account that we're utilizing over 150 billion gallons wow. of uh, gasoline, diesel, and aviation fuel every year. So. Where uh, is that in America or is that? Yes, just in the U.S. Just, just in, the, in US. the U.S. Wow. Yes. And it's funny that uh, the military is the largest user of fuel. Yeah, <laughs> so not so fight, funny. Fighting <laughs> wars, wars overseas to defend oil doesn't make any sense. We yeah. need to start making those fuels here and there is will be no need to uh, to go uh, to send our uh, men and women overseas. That is a very interesting point you just made. It's mm -hmm. like we're uh, the the uh, fossil fuels are fueling the war at wars, yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, if we just don't need the fossil fuels, we can reduce <laughs> the war the 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 fight to have it. That's very good. But point. Uh, if I may, uh, in addition to fuels uh, from algae and biomass, we can make. Uh, a lot of other products. Uh, if we stick to algae, which seems to be closer to Annie's heart. Um, <laughs> so algae also make uh, a lot of antioxidants. Oh, and yeah. these are great for, uh, for our health. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if you heard of uh, DHA and EPA. Mm -hmm. Maybe you heard the term omega-3 mm -hmm. fatty acids. Mm -hmm. Well, if you go to the grocery store, you will see uh, an increasing number of products now coming, being sold, fortified with omega-3 fatty acids. 
And well, that's, those, that's coming yeah. from the green algae? No, they are coming from other sources. They are coming from crop, from plants okay. right now. Some are coming from algae. We are trying to increase the amount that is coming from algae because algae can grow very fast. Algae can, uh, can, can be grown on any piece of land. It doesn't, to be, it doesn't have to be a fertile piece of land, okay? And it grows so fast that we can produce those products more efficient than we can produce them from, from plants. So that's one of the things we are doing in the lab right now as we speak. We are producing omega-3 fatty acids that can go into nutritional supplements. It can go into milk, into food, so that we can replenish and we can balance our diet because our diet these days is not balanced. No. <laughs> so much processed food yeah. is being consumed that we have to take supplements. Why are we taking supplements? Why our grandparents didn't take supplements? Well, because they were eating fresh, they were eating a balanced diet. We don't do that these days. Yeah. We have to take those nutrients. So we are trying to help in that direction as well uh, by producing from algae and biomass uh, antioxidants and, and uh, omega-3 fatty acids that can be very helpful to our immune system, can reduce the cholesterol, can be very beneficial to human health. You know, what you were just talking about it being a crop, the fast-growing crop. I mean, in the future, that could even be a farmer's job. You could have, that could be a diversified crop for a farmer to do. Like when you were saying you go, you, you get these things from a bank. I mean, if people are growing that for it processed specifically mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. fuels, that could be a doable deal. I mean, obviously Excellent. they're doing corn that way, right? And sugarcane. Yes, yes, so they absolutely. So they could use algae or, or whatever these other biomasses. And then also then reuse uh, whatever their crop waste is too, like you were saying. Exactly. Jeez. And we, we are trying to... I'm um, on fire auto with this. <laughs> <laughs> we, are trying to, we are trying to do some process development. We are trying to automate the process uh -huh. of growing algae. So if a farmer wanted to grow algae uh, on his or her property, mm -hmm. they could do it with very little... Uh, need for outside assistance. Mm. Okay. So this is very important because the farmer has to focus on, on their, uh, you know, growing their crops. Uh, the algae is going to be beneficial. They can build a kind of a cyclical uh, economy there on the farm, but we need to provide them with the know-how, with best practices on how to do that. Right. That's part of what we are doing. Yes. So you, but you're right. Yes. So, so earlier right. we were talking about biofuels and they come from crops and the benefit is that they take in a lot of CO2, but mm -hmm. then they're burned mm -hmm. or then first the tractors have to harvest them. So that takes some energy and then mm -hmm. they're burning and then they release CO2. Are the mm -hmm. emissions equal to what the crops can take in? Like for example, corn? Yes, that's a very good point. Uh, what is happening is with fuels coming from uh, plants, biofuels, is we are recycling, in essence, the CO2 that is being released when we burn the fuel, okay? So there have been a number of studies that have been done uh, by uh, very prestigious, prestigious institutions that show that on a life cycle basis, in other words, all the way from planting, to burning that fuel. So it includes the agricultural part, it includes the harvesting, it includes the transportation, the processing, and then 
taking that fuel to the gas station and, and pumping it into your car and using that, that's called the life cycle basis. Okay. We look at life cycle the, basis. Okay. Yes. Of looking at the carbon emissions and based on that life cycle basis, fuels we produce from biomass and algae should provide a balance, should be able not only to give us zero net emissions, but also to reduce emissions over the long run. That was, I'm so glad you were just saying that because as Kenny was asking that question, I was thinking, yeah, as soon as they harvest that corn, they're releasing the carbon uh, that's mm -hmm. been sequestered in the roots up under there, you know, and then it's going to get burned. I mean, come on, we're, we're starting it, but then we release what we did. So we're undoing what we did to begin with. And of course, those guys are going to be using a ton of fertilizers and uh, things that are, you know, not good for the soil anyway. And the cost of corn is going up. Is yes, it, uh, for fertilizers. You, and oh, okay, fuel. exactly. Yeah, fertilizers. Exactly. I heard were very expensive. Not that I use because them. <laughs> yeah, fertilizers, chemical fertilizers uh, are are produced from oil. Yeah. So when oil prices are a hundred, hundred twenty dollars per barrel, then uh, uh, that comes back to bite us. Uh, all the way from the farm to every day driving our car to every single thing to the cost of plastics, the cost of transportation. So if we were to rid ourselves of the need to depend on oil for fuels and plastics and everything else, then and make that uh, part of the economy domestic, then we're going to have a much better control on, on, the, uh, on the costs. And we're going to pump all this money into the local economy as opposed to writing checks and sending them overseas to, to you know whom. That is amazing. I am so happy you're here. So, George. <laughs> we have callers, too. Yes, we do. Yeah. So, that's so great. The first person we're going to take is Joe in Clearwater. Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi, Joe. Uh, I'm, hi. Hello. You know, I agree with uh, just about everything you're saying and you have said, but... The, and here's the big but. Okay. Uh, if it had started 50 years ago, we might have had a chance. If the rest of the world was on board with it, we might have a ch have a chance. Yeah. But I think the politicians and the people in power don't want to panic the population. They don't want us to know the truth. I think the human race on the planet is screwed. Well. China's not going to stop. India's not going to stop. They're going to keep uh, polluting just like we are. And we're screwed. That's my opinion. Well, and I really appreciate you letting me say that. Thank you, Joe. Thank so you for your let's, opinion. So uh, let's hear what uh, George has to say. And then I have a follow-up question. And I'm also I, I, doom and gloom. And I also yeah. want to ask about plastic production. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, what do you think about his... Uh, are we too late? Uh, well, yeah, I, I want to believe that uh, we are not too late, although... As, as you see, we look left and right and we are destroying pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, so I'm optimistic. Uh, yes, I would say we are behind. Uh, I want to believe it's not late and we are uh, ramping up our uh, resources. Uh, the government now is uh, released, uh, is going to release more money into uh, taking those technologies into the marketplace. Yeah. I hope that... Uh, algae and biomass and uh, uh, and uh, irrigating, uh, smart irrigation of our crops and uh, conservation of water and the list goes on and on and on mm -hmm. uh, will be, uh, will allow us to start slowing down. The caller is right, very right in the sense that even if tomorrow 
we stopped using fossils and we converted 100% to renewables, which is impossible to do overnight. Mm -hmm. Even if we were to do it, things will not change for a long time. Mother nature is slow. The processes, the natural processes are slow. They are not mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. So uh, I, I would say uh, we got to speed up so that, uh, and politics, uh, unfortunately, uh, plays a big role here. Uh, that's why we need the base. That's why we need citizens. We need to fight this at the local level. And the local level is the cities and the counties. And then it can go to the state and from the states, it can go up to the federal government. Yeah, and go to, you know, when you vote, vote people in that are going to be environmentally conscious. Don't vote for party. Vote for who is going to be environmentally conscious. So we, And pressure also, I'm sorry, pressure on, on our companies, on the corporations. Oh, yes. absolutely. Don't purchase right products them. that are even are Even before we do that, even before we do that, uh, put pressure, you know, at the shareholders meetings. Yeah. More and more people are raising voice, their voice. Yeah. Get the right, right people in that meeting, though. That's yes, the thing. Yes, you have to yes. get the right people in that meeting. You know, we exactly. are... The, I can't believe how fast the time's gone by, but we have calls and we yes. have a lot of stuff going on. So Go let's ahead. roll with that. Well, I wanted to follow up with that. So last month, ExxonMobil says that there will be net zero carbon by 2050. And my question is kind of the same as the callers. Is 2050 it, too late? Is that too little, too late? And they are moving into biofuels, so that's the connection. Mm -hmm. They're investing yeah. in biofuels. Yes, uh, they could have done that, not just Exxon. Uh, all of those companies could and should have done that back in the 70s. Right, when we started uh, but, knowing about this. Yes, that was exactly, thing. exactly. So uh, whether they're going to be carbon neutral by 2050, um, it's, 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 a, it's an aspirational goal, I would say, mm -hmm. at best. It's a big challenge. It's not easy, to be fair. Um, we hear that the same from uh, many companies and governments. And uh, all I can say is uh, we need to keep an eye on that and hold them to this right. so that it doesn't this end up being greenwashing, but mm -hmm. uh, we are here to help them. Right. And, and genuinely, we need to help each other. And, and the corporations that want to do that, uh, they know where we are. They have our phone numbers and our email addresses. <laughs> and and they can call us and we can help them to get there. We have a, speaking of calling, we have another person waiting patiently online. Sure. So we have uh, Clay and Landa Lakes and he wants to talk about hemp oil and he well, wants to I want to talk yeah, I want to talk about hemp, but I do want to make a, a comment on this. You know, our problem for the world is is uh, our leadership or lack mm -hmm. thereof, as Greta Thunberg would tell us. Uh, they haven't They've led us down this path, and if you just look at some of the decisions that have been recently made by our own Congress, like uh, giving more subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah. a it's a conservative uh, vote. It's hard not to have gloom and doom. Yeah, so, it is yeah. hard. You're right. But I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned hemp as a product that uh, – the hemp plant is something that you can use for um, – you can use the whole plant. You can. Everything has a usage. Including Absolutely, yes. You are very right about that. And I put the hemp in the biomass category. That's why I didn't mention it explicitly. There are many, many plants uh, that fall in the biomass, in the nature makes them. And hemp is very promising. I'm, I'm very glad that uh, uh, the industry now is, uh, is uh, getting some more attention because it's a great source of, uh, of uh, fiber. Uh, it's a great source of, uh, of oil for different applications. Uh, and as the, as the uh, caller mentioned, uh, 
So I didn't mention it uh, by its name, but it is part of the biomass portfolio that I was talking about. Well, it's one of those things, too, that it's not a water-intensive crop. It's a weed, mm-hmm. and it grows yeah. like a weed. It grows really easy. And the other benefit is that we have all these citrus farms or citrus groves that have been closed down. Yeah. They should go into uh, yes, yes. growing hemp. I mean, Florida is yes, a perfect yes. to grow hemp. There needs to be an alternative for those uh, for the citrus groves, for sure. I, I drove through yes, them this yes. weekend, and, and they're uh, bagging, which is, you know, well, so such a short... Thanks so much for all the work you've been doing. Peace be upon you. Thank you. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you, Clay. Thanks. And in addition to hemp, I would like to mention also bamboo. Oh, yeah. That's also very promising. Very fast growing. Very fast growing. uh, No watering needed. And uh, we can use the fiber. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can provide privacy. A lot of good stuff, both in hemp and bamboo and others. Dr. uh, T.H. Colhane just came over a week or two, and he dug up some 40-foot tall bamboo to plant on. Uh, rosebud continuum. So maybe, yes, yes. maybe you yeah, could, a great colleague of mine. Yes. <laughs> maybe once it starts growing, you can harvest it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we so have you're a, a part of it, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody, let's see, Clark from Ebor city wants to know how much it costs to make a gallon of jet fuel from algae. And then my follow-up is, is the limiting factor the cost of biofuels versus normal petroleum currently? Is that what's going on? The the infrastructure yes. and... Well, uh, actually, we can make uh, the green aviation fuel. We can make it at existing refineries. Uh, oh, that's so good. The, so you could, uh, yes. you could just reuse that uh, refinery. Yes, yes, okay. yes. We can use the refinery, which is great. And that's why a lot of oil companies are looking at algae more than they are looking at biomass. Oh, um, so we could do that, uh, and uh, we're working on that. Uh, as far as the cost, uh, um, the studies that we have so far come from very small scale. Uh, we are not uh, anywhere close to, I would say, 4 or $5 per gallon, where you're going to find the fossil fuel. Uh, maybe, I could say, is twice as expensive now. But again, as I mentioned earlier, keep in mind that this uh, effort, it's only 10, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. versus oil that has been around for 120, 130 yeah. years. So we need more time, but we're not going to take 100 years to get there. Good, because we need we you hope. to be on it. And you're <laughs> yeah. gonna, I don't think you're going to last that long. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm working on that. Some, I don't know, you're eating that green I'm algae. Working, you might. Yeah, I'm working on that also with the <laughs> antioxidants, but we'll see. <laughs> so we, we have another caller. Yeah. We have Barney from Gulfport. Hi, Barney. Hi, Barney. Hello, my friends. Hello. Great to hear y'all this morning. I love your work, George. Thank you. Thank you. And I love your passion of the DJ that says, my hands on my heart. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Because we have hope. And somehow we, as the humans, have to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I I love, uh, you know, someone said, you know, we, instead of speeding it up, somehow we have to slow it down. And one of the things that I do that we can do as humans right now, imagine us reducing our emissions by 20 to 30 percent every day we drive our car. Um, I grew up in the days of Carter, and he made the speed limit 55. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he knew if we slow down, we will save 20 to 30 percent in fuel savings. I drive a Dodge van. I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I'm pulled over to talk to y'all. Oh, good. And I drive 55 <laughs> on the expressway. Okay. And mm. if I drive 55, and people don't like you, I drive in the slow <laughs> lane, I, I watch the pack comes, right? <laughs> Everyone travels in a pack. Yeah. And as the pack's coming, I speed up just a little bit so they don't run in the back of me. 
I have a sign that says fuel saving test vehicle, please pass. Oh, very good. <laughs> if I'm driving 55, I get 35 to 38 miles a gallon. If I mm-hmm. drive the pack, I get 25 miles to a gallon. Wow. Do yes. the math. Now, this is a van, a Dodge van. I'm a musician, so I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. If I slow down, I, I reduce my emissions out of my tailpipe, and I get to eat better every night, cleaner food. Wow. I did not know that. Thank you, and you so reduce, much. You can reduce also your stress while driving. Absolutely. Right? It, it takes me 10 to 15 minutes maybe to get there, but my stress is less. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a very good point about conserving fuel because... Not only we save money in our pocket, we are also uh, doing a favor to uh, ourselves and nature. To we the reduce air. emissions. Yeah. Yes, we reduce emissions. So mm-hmm. there are so many steps we, we can take that before we even introduce fuels, biofuels from algae and other sources. Thank you, Barney, for that giving us a call. Great, Barney. Please Thanks. Spread the word. Drive 55. Yeah. <laughs> 55. Drive a, get this alive. So thank you, Barney. And now I'm going to read a text message to Barney. Oh, wow. <laughs> so okay. Barney already has a follower. Uh, <laughs> he's a musician. We'll have to look him up. Yeah. So Nick <laughs> says, wanted to call and mention hemp, but I'm driving. Hemp also detoxifies the soil from radiation and toxins. And deep roots that sequenters tons of carbon for crops for many years. And he says, good job, Clay. And then Annie called in the last show. I did. The, the Dr. Fred Harvey show. And now we have a text message from Dr. Fred Harvey. Oh, very good. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> and he says, you can't accurately compare the price of fossil fuel versus biomass of algae because the oil prices are artificially suppressed by subsidies. Mm-hmm. So that is an excellent point. That's a very good point is, is uh, the polluter is not paying for the yeah. pollution. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I did something in my yard, backyard <laughs> and I threw the stuff over the fence I don't think, I think the police should, would show up, mm-hmm. you know, within a few hours. The, and look at this. The we leader poli- of Afghanistan was on uh, last yeah. night about all the flooding and stuff. And he was saying, you know, with all Pakistan, of the... Yeah. Pakistan, excuse me, thank you. Uh, And he was talking about how he felt like that all the polluting countries should be paying his country uh, because uh, the climate change is obviously is what's the cause of all this. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Just what you just said. Mm -hmm. Somebody's got to pay and it's the one that's polluting. So we have another color, but first I wanted to go back to something you said earlier. So at the gas station, you said that it'll have a little sticker that says it's 10% ethanol. Mm -hmm. And we did get another email, but I I got confused, so I'm going to rephrase it. Why can't we add, or can we add 20% ethanol or 30% ethanol? Or, Into our tank? Yeah, what's going on? Like between diesel and gas, uh, George? Yeah, it's it's politics. It's, so, it's politics. Uh, it's, uh, um, they would, they, they are trying, you know, the, uh, the fossil fuel industry has been trying to, because they cannot drill and make ethanol or biofuels, uh, they, they are trying to protect their territory. Oh, right. So there's been a lot of uh, pressure on uh, not increasing. Brazil uses 100% ethanol and mm. they are running their cars fine. And it's the same That's auto manufacturers. It's the GM and <laughs> Chrysler and, and Ford that they have been dragging their feet here. But yeah. when the Brazilian government told them either you make the fuel, uh, make the cars flexible so they can use any fuel, including 100% ethanol, uh, or you cannot do business in this country, they 
they obeyed. Wow. Here, That's incredible. Exactly. The very same companies that so, are telling us big that oil this cannot be done. Is uh, protecting what everything they have in place because they're going to have to uh, spend money to make a change. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it has been going on for years. Yeah. So to answer your, your caller, uh, the only part that needs to be replaced is uh, the fuel line. You need to use a, a synthetic rubber instead of natural rubber. And that's it. Nothing's going to be destroyed. But I don't, ad I don't advocate you do it if you have your car under warranty, because unfortunately, the warranties, I mean, not unfortunately, the warranties have certain stipulations. Right. So if your car is under warranty, you should not be doing it until and unless they allow And right. uh, they have increased to 15% the ethanol. We can use up to 15%, but it took so many years to get from 10 to 15. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a very slow process. That is so okay? interesting. I didn't know that. We have another one last thing. One last thing here yeah. for the caller. If you have a flex fuel vehicle, uh, those come with a sticker that says flex fuel. You know that the car is flex fuel vehicle. You can use here in the US up to 85% ethanol. Wow. Which, by the way, is much cheaper than gasoline these days. Wow. Thank you so much. We have another caller, too. So let's see what we have on that. Yeah, we have Russell from Tampa. Hi, Russell. Russell, are you there? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm Rocco. Rocco. We got the <laughs> R wrong. I'm Rocco. I, I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> I'd like, like to say hello to Barney Waterbury. <laughs> Very uh, good. Anyway, I I didn't get the name of your guest, your expert guest, and George, organization George. is he affiliated with? Uh, University of South Florida, USF. Yeah. He's from USF. Yeah, he's a pro, he's a he's speaking to you directly. Uh, so that was and George speaking to you. George, you want to just tell him? Yeah, this is George Philippides. Um, I work at I'm at. Uh, professor at USF, University of South Florida. Oh, uh, what's your last name? I didn't understand that. Can you spell that? Philippides. P-H-I-L-I-P-P-I-D-I-S. It also, if you have access to a computer, we'll have uh, an, a synopsis of this online with a link that you can listen to the show over again as well. And also you can go to the website of USF and just look for the Patel College. Yeah. And I'm sure you're going to find me there. Great. Very good. So, uh, Annie, got any follow-up questions? We've got about five minutes left. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the plastics that you were talking about. You're talking about making uh, biodegradable plastics out of these uh, products. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, uh, we got to make them, regardless of where the plastic is coming from, whether it's oil or other sources, mm -hmm. that's a very different issue from whether the plastic is biodegradable. So what we are trying to do is we're trying to understand the chemistry of how things break down. Yes. So that we can, uh, ideally, we would like to program things in the future so that while they are useful to us, they stay intact and they do their job. And then when we don't need them anymore and we need to dispose of them, we do the disposal very, very carefully. We can put them in the soil knowing that they will biodegrade uh, fast. So yes. we, we are trying to do that. You can find a few products made out of cornstarch uh, corn these days. Yeah, uh, You can find them, but they are just a minority. So the majority are still plastics coming from oil. And uh, there are uh, several groups around the country and the world 
um, uh, faculty and and companies trying to develop biodegradable plastics. Yes. Yes. So, George, we only got a couple of minutes left. I have one more email, and they say or they believe that ethanol in fuel is a bad idea and it reduces the car's potential for the highest MPGs and the corn that is used is Monsanto's proprietary okay. strain. So. Okay, so these are these are things that uh, you know some uh, misinformation. No, actually, the 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 callers or whoever made the comment is correct. Ethanol is not as dense as gasoline energy-wise, so you need to be a, to go to put a little more in the gas in the tank to go the same distance. But this is compensated uh, by the lower price, more than compensated by the lower price. Okay, that's the nature of ethanol. We are trying to develop other fuels that have the density of gasoline in terms of energy, and we're going to get there. As far as corn, corn is produced by many, many companies, not just one company. Um, maybe uh, the, the caller is referring to Monsanto as the source of what, of seeds, maybe? Yes, that's exactly uh, what they're talking about. And it's also a thing that they use a lot of glyphosate with. Yes, uh, and, and, chemical and, that's, that's why we are, and that's why I said earlier that ethanol uh, uh, from corn is a step for it's it's a bridge. Yes, it's not really the goal. Yes. we want to get to ethanol and other uh, yeah. biofuels from biomass and algae. But uh, let's not make the, the the good the enemy. Right, you know, babe, don't throw the baby the out with the bathwater. No, right, no, no. Let's one step at a time. Yeah, that's why yes. we are moving in that direction. Thank you, George, for being a wonderful guest. You were fantastic. We really Thank you appreciate guys, it. Come visit us. Come visit us uh, at, at USF. Uh, I'll be very glad to show you. That's great. This work I is think I'm going to make a trip. Wonderful, over there. and we will. Uh, if you guys go to wmnf.org. Later today, there'll be some show notes. And now Annie's going to say a couple of events. Uh, well, yeah, I can do that. And so then, we uh, have a couple of events. There's a saving water free uh, thing at, at uh, Brooker Creek Preserve, September 30th at 10 a.m. It's a Friday. Uh, there's a patio micro irrigation workshop in person of the Hillsborough County Extension, September 17th. Um, and that's it. All the rest of them are going into November. Sounds so good. that's, and you can go to Sweetwater or Farm too and check out their stuff. They have lots of great stuff going on. So Annie's going to say our closing paragraph, but first we got another message all the way from Columbia. Really, Juan uh, Mena. He says he's a graduate student from USF, and he's listening to his professor, Doctor. Oh, he is. All the way from Colombia. Wow. You, you see, I have I have fans too. Yeah. I keep, telling the, I keep telling the kids I have fans and they don't believe me. That's funny. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So, uh, Kenny, Annie, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to doc, uh, to uh, Mr. Bill Grace, Dr. Bill Grace, and just up to you. And also to uh, for doing the boards and also for Clark for answering the calls. Uh, if you enjoy the show and weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation. Um, and next week, we are going to have... Robert Northrup and Andrew. Yes, they're so great. Talking about trees. So yeah. thank you guys and have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.